All right, this is the last Sunday of being wrecked. You can't be wrecked after this Sunday. Everything should be better now, right? You guys know it doesn't quite work like that, does it? Okay. Hopefully you have found some things to help you to survive through the difficult times. We've talked about rejection, but we reminded ourselves of the love of God, right? We've talked about anxiety and fear, but how we can find that God is what we need even in those situations. Today we're going to look at this idea of chaos, and I really thought, what better biblical example of chaos than Job? So hopefully today you can find some things there that will encourage you and help you and let the Lord speak. Let's look in the book of James. We're going to start there. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Please hear the word of the Lord. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. The scripture says this, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Notice that term right there, persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Most of us would look at Job and initially we'd be like, what is he going to do? How's he going to make his way through it? But the key to Job was that he persevered. And that's why this whole series has been about survival. It's surviving through rejection and anxiety and fear and in today, chaos. And what I love about the passage there in James, he says, you have seen what the Lord finally brought about, right? The Lord is building you, he's shaping you, he's making you, he's turning you in what he wants you to be, and you have seen what the Lord brought about. And then I want you to notice this last phrase, because if you read the beginning of Job, you would not say this about God. But what does James say about God? The Lord is full of what? Compassion and mercy, all right? Well, we're going to start today, you're going to say, I don't see it, but at the end, I hope today that you will see that the Lord that we serve, the God that we love and know and we sing to today, that he is full of compassion and mercy. All right, let's talk about chaos for a second. Have you ever been in the midst of chaos? What does chaos look like? It can just show itself in many different forms. Vacation Bible school may be the best picture of chaos. I don't know, (laughs) right? When you can have 40, 50 kids just all going everywhere, that's pretty chaotic, right? Uh, I'm sure that in battle, there's times things look like chaos. But have you ever had chaos in your life when nothing goes right? Okay. Very little simple thing. And we had a really good day yesterday. But whenever Isaiah and I get on a boat, chaos always seems to ensue. We had our boat motor out there, and Isaiah, he's been doing really good. He's been learning a lot of stuff, and he got it started up, and it was spinning, and the motor would not go in gear. (sighs) Really? So we got the trolling motor, making our way across Eagle Creek. We find our fishing hole. Of course, very first fishing hole, choom, I pull out a big old crappie. I'm already, you know, rubbing it in Isaiah's face. Look at this, you know. It wasn't much longer. We were fishing a little bit more. And Isaiah, boom, he pulls out a big old crappie. And he's letting me have it, you know. We're just having a real good time. And all of a sudden, the trolling motor is not working anymore. 
So the big motor's not working, and now the trolley motor's not working. And we decide, okay, we may better start trying to make our way back across the lake. And so I start rowing. And here I am pushing. Isaiah's good as he is. He's like, I think I can fix this, Dad. I'm like, I don't care. Just do what you can. But I keep rowing and rowing. The wind is really blowing out of the south, and I'm trying to push against the wind. All these sailboats are just flying like crazy because it's nice and windy, and they're moving along really good. And I just try to keep rowing. All of a sudden, the boat starts really going this way. I'm like, what's going on? And Isaiah had fixed the trolling motor. And so we got back and made our way across. If only we had a little longer, we could have caught a ton of fish, you know. But chaos, right? This thing isn't working, and now this thing isn't working. Have you ever had that in your life where it seems like this, 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 and this is not working all of a sudden at the same time? Can I get amen there? Right? (laughs) Okay. Today, if you've been in that spot, and you will be in the future, by the way, if you haven't already been or you're not there now, the Lord has a word for you to encourage you about how to handle chaos, how to persevere. And that's what I want to encourage you from the book of Job today. Why does chaos happen? Why would God allow such chaos to come to pass? Uh, It's one thing to ask this about a situation that's far away, but it's really different when tragedy and suffering is directly affecting you. And I'm not going to answer all your questions today. I have no intention of that. But when we look into the book of Job, we are reminded about who God is, and it brings comfort. And I hope it will do the same today for you. Let's look at two verses today in the book of Job. Job chapter 14 and verse 16. A person's days are what? They are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Here's the truth today. God knows the last day on your tombstone. It's kind of sobering, isn't it, right? Your days are already set. You may try to eat better. You may try to exercise healthily. You may try to really be careful how you drive. Bottom line is this, the Lord already knows the end of your days. So if he knows the end of the story, I better be trusting in him most of all, right? Second scripture I want you to think about today, Job 12, 10. I love this. In his hand, in the Lord's hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Who sustains you today? Jesus does. God does. Jesus created everything, and he is the sustaining thing of all things. Colossians tells us that. The Lord has your breath, and he can take it away, and he can grant it at his pleasure. And so here's what I want to start off with today. Can you help me with this this morning? No matter what the chaos is that you have occurred, that you're in now, or that you're going to occur, God is in control. All right? That's what we learn from the book of Job. Ultimately, God is in control. When you succumb to that and you finally surrender to that, you're going to find that you're able to persevere. So the first thing I want you to see about Job today, which is amazing truth about this person, he was a man of incredible character. Job was a man of incredible character. In chapter 1, in verse 1 of the book of Job, it says this, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and he was upright, and he feared God, and he shunned evil. If you are going to persevere today, here's where we need to start. And I'm not telling you you got to be perfect. None of us are perfect. But we need to have a character that will hold up like this. Job made good decisions. He was blameless. In other words, when people thought about Job, their inclination wasn't to think negative about him because they knew his life. 
They knew his testimony. They knew his story. And their first thought about him would be, well, no, that couldn't be true about him. I know Job. He's not like that. He was blameless. He was upright. And then two big things here that we need to practice today. He feared God. He didn't fear anything else, but he feared God. And he demonstrated that fear of God by doing what? He shunned evil. He pushed it away. I am not going to have anything to do with evil. I'm going to push it away. I'm going to fear God. Today, if you want to persevere, this is where you can start. Teach me, Lord, to fear you and you alone and help me to run away, to shun, to push aside evil. Just a few things about his character this morning I want you to see. And again, I'm summarizing to help you through as you look at this man and this wonderful book. In chapter 31, we see how he lived his life. Look at a few of his characteristics here this morning. Job, according to chapter 31, he treated women respectfully. Now, we are in a generation now where that has finally been brought to the forefront, and it's been set aside for a long time. Job was ahead of the curve here. He treated women with respect. He spoke how? Truthfully, all right? You guys, this is something I've been learning as I've been getting older. We need to have honest conversations with the people in our lives. We need to be clear. Some new speaker has been putting this out, but the truth has been around for a long time. Speaking clearly is kind. Can you hear me this morning? Right? Sometimes we don't, we're afraid to speak clear because we're afraid of how that's going to affect people or impact people. We need to speak the truth in love, and that is speaking clear uh, with uh, clarity. He treated his servants how? With justice. Who's working for you? Who are you uh, helping? Are you honoring them by the way that you're treating the people that the Lord puts in your life? Are you treating them respectfully? He took care of the poor. He shared his bread. He shared his house. This is already turning out. Okay, I kind of like this guy already, don't you? Right, let's look at the next few things here about him. He didn't misuse his influence, especially in court. Right? Well, I know so-and-so. You ought to let me take care of this, right? Or you ought to take care of me because of my position. Job didn't do that. He didn't put his security in gold. <laughs> what are you trusting in today? Right? There's a storm coming. We better be trusted in the Lord. Hopefully you've got some things in place and you've made good choices. You've made good decisions but we need to put our trust in God, not in gold. He didn't idolize the created over the creator. I thought this was interesting. He didn't rejoice at his enemy's misfortune. Oh, look what happened to you. Oh, it's about time. I'm glad that, that went your way. Job wasn't like that. He didn't hide his sins because of fear of what others would think. He was transparent. This is who I am, and this is what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to honor the Lord. He was very much out front. Notice the character of this man, Job. Today, if you want to make your way through chaos, you need to live in light of this. You need to pursue the Lord. You need to fear God and shun evil. Job would be considered a righteous man by anybody's standards. Now, here's the next truth, and I hope you hear this today. God allowed Job to suffer. That's kind of tough, isn't it, right? If I'm treating women right, if I'm not putting my trust in money, if I'm being good to my neighbor, I'm not misusing my influence, if I'm honoring the creator above the created, why is difficult things coming my way? 
And we're not going to go into the whole story today, but you can read the backstory in Job. It's one of the few books where we actually get the whole backstory. God says to the devil, to, the devil, to Satan, he says, hey, look at my servant Job. There's nobody like him. He fears me. He hates evil. <laughs> the devil says, well, sure he does. Look at how much money you've given him. Look how much you've blessed him. I would, I would praise you too if you were that nice to me. And so what does God allow to happen to his servant then, right? Yeah, God allows him to suffer. Don't equate your righteousness with the Lord with the fact that you will also suffer, okay? Really great people suffer. And a lot of times, really great people may even suffer more because God's going to use that to magnify his name in and through them. Hang on to that today. In the beginning of the book, Satan comes with a question. Does Job fear God for nothing? And God allows Satan to strike. Job begins to lose everything. And Job had 7,000 sheep. He had a whole bunch of donkeys. He had camels. He had tons of servants. And he had 10 kids, seven boys and three girls. And if you read the book of chapter one, it begins by explaining all that Job had. And then right at the beginning, what happens? There's a servant who comes and the servant says to Job, the Sabians have attacked They've taken your donkeys, and they have run away with them. That doesn't sound very good, right? And what the Scripture says is before he finished speaking, that's what always hits me, before this messenger finishes speaking, the next messenger comes. He says, Job, your sheep were out, and the fire of God fell from the sky, and your sheep have been destroyed. Those 7,000 sheep, they're all gone. And the scripture says, before he finished speaking, the next messenger comes, Job, the Chaldeans have come. They've taken all your camels and I am the only one left to tell you. And then it's he said, the scripture says, before he finished speaking, the last messenger comes. And what's the last messenger say? Job, your kids are in a house. I think just as soon as he heard that, after hearing all this, it was just like, oh, no, anything. But don't, don't, I don't even want you to finish the sentence. And what does the messenger say? Right? The storm came through, and all your kids and your servants are dead, and I'm the only one left to tell you. Now, some of us have some really bad stories, right? But most of us probably haven't had that type of chaos in our life. We've had some bad things happen, some really bad chaos. I'm not trying to minimize your pain today. What I'm saying is here's somebody who lost his wealth. He lost his servants. He'll lose his influence. He loses his children. And in the next chapter, chapter two, he even loses all of his health. But he will not sin against God. Look, if you would with me here, what the scripture says about that. In Job chapter one, in verse 20, in all of this, Job worships the Lord. The scripture says, at this, after all these things happened, Job got up, he tore his robe, which was a sign of mourning, and he shaved off his head. And then he fell to the ground and worshiped. And here's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be Praise. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. The thing to me that is so hard in this phrase, it is very easy to say the Lord has given. Amen? <laughs> right? 
I've got decent health today. The Lord has given. Praise the Lord. I have a house today. The Lord has given. Praise the Lord. I had some really nice sausages and a donut stick with coffee for breakfast. Praise Rick and Amanda and the Lord. (laughs) Right? The Lord is good. The Lord has given. Praise the Lord. That's easy. I've lost my house. I've lost my riches. I've lost my children. I've lost my health. The Lord has taken away. Praise the Lord. What? You see what Job saw? Everything that comes to me comes from the Lord, whether good or bad, for his glory, I'm going to worship him, good or bad. Wow. That's a different kind of faith, isn't it? Job worships the Lord. In Psalm 73, verse 25, you can see where his heartbeat is. And this is a Psalm of David, but it so applies to the heart of Job. David says, Whom am I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. By the way, if you look in Job chapter 2, even Job's wife, what is her opinion of all this stuff? Even the closest to him. He is trying his best to honor God, to serve God. And what does she tell Job to do? Man, why don't you just curse God and get this over with? You know this is from God. Curse him. Deny him. Reject him. And then at least you'll die and you won't have to keep suffering. We all need encouragers like that in our life, don't we? (laughs) Wow. Think of everything that came against Job today, right? He lost his wealth. He lost his security. He lost his health. He lost his children. He lost even love from anyone outside of him. All those things were taken away from Job. And Job's response to his wife, by the way, was, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? (laughs) His faith is so incredible. He does not sin in his words, even having suffered beyond human limits. And here's what I wanted to say to you today, that there's going to be a time where you're going to say, I can't handle it, and that's okay. All right? Sometimes as Christians, I think we feel like we have to put our makeup face on and like, oh, I'm, I'm hanging in there when you're not. And there's a place where you can say, I cannot do this, God. I have to have you. I believe Job was at that place. And yet he could still say, even in the middle of all this mess and in much pain as I'm in, I'm going to worship you. Now you're going to see if you read through the book of Job, he's going to share those concerns and those worries, the things that he doesn't understand. He doesn't hold them back. He speaks clearly about the questions that he had. Let me real quick here. I want to give you a brief word about comfort during a time of suffering. Oftentimes, Our presence is one of the best things that we can give at a difficult time. And we don't need a witty saying. We need to show love by being present. You remember the story of Job's friends? Look at Job chapter 2, verse 12. Job's friends come around him, and I want you to notice this is the one thing they did right in the whole book. When they, his friends, saw Job, him, from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. That tells you about the type of chaos he has endured. His friends began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes, and they sprinkled dust on their heads. And now look what they did here in verse 13. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. When somebody is hurting greatly, 
Rather than trying to give the magical words or the right answer, you know what they need the most of all? They need you to be with them. I'm here. I'm here. Right. The Lord had to shake me up early on in my ministry to recognize this, but one of the best things that I ever did was to shut up and just be present with people who were suffering. Okay, I'll sit at your house with you at four in the morning because your pain is so great. Okay, I'll go with you to the funeral home and we're going to try to pick out a casket, which I think, by the way, is the worst thing ever. If you're going to do that kind of stuff, do that ahead of time. <laughs> it was horrible. But I will go with you and we will pick out a casket together. I will go with you and we'll figure out the plans for this grieving process. I'm just going to be with you. Right? And Job's friends got that right. If you want to hurt somebody who's going through chaos today, if you want to help somebody, excuse me, who's going through chaos today, be present with them. Let them know that you are there. Now, after those seven days, what we usually do as people, we decide, hey, I think I've got this figured out. Job, hear my advice. I'm a wise person. If you'll take my advice, we'll get this straightened out and you can get back on the the wonderful life, prosperous life you had. Job's friend's response is this. Suffering is for the who? Suffering's for the wicked. Repent and be restored. Oh, Brother Michael, I know your life's going, but it just, you just need to repent of your sin and it'll all get better, brother. Amen? Sister Donna, if you would just repent, it'll all go your way. Don't we need friends like that today? <sighs> please don't do that. If your preacher is ever really suffering, please don't come up and say, preacher, if you would just repent, your life would be a whole lot better. You can tell me that before time and after, but right in the middle of my suffering, that's probably not going to help me a whole lot. All right? And don't hesitate. You can tell me from time to time, hey, preacher, you need to straighten up. I'm not saying that. But in the midst of your deepest, darkest suffering, that's probably not the time you come in and say, well, if you just stop sinning and get your life turned around, then the Lord will fix it. And that's exactly what Job's friends did to him. They were trying to tell him, well, it's your fault, Job. You stop sinning and you can get back on track. But Job's in his heart, we've already seen in the scriptures, he knows that he has followed the Lord's ways. And as his suffering extends, so does his desperation. And while he is going to refute his friends, he still hasn't resolved his own tragedy. Hear me out this morning. Sometimes you just don't understand why it's going on. Can you hear the Lord today? He's trying to tell you today. I'm telling you, he's trying to speak to you today. Sometimes we don't know why. I don't know why the cancer came. I don't know why the cancer took that person's life. I don't know why the diabetes came. I don't know why your legs had to be taken from you. I don't know why this other person that you love so much has betrayed you. I don't know why today. I don't know why you lost your job. I know you were doing a good job. I don't know why God allowed this to happen. Hear the Lord today, right? Job, in the midst of his chaos, he is looking for answers And he's going to come up empty until the very end of the book. Let's read a few things here so you can hear Job being honest. Again, he's being honest with the Lord. Job chapter 3, verse 20. Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. He's in a bad place, isn't he? Can you hear what he's saying there? Lord, why are you letting me live? How would you let anybody endure so much suffering? In Job chapter 9, verse 22 through 24. 
he speaks of God's unwillingness to punish the wicked. So again, I'm trying to do right. There are people doing wrong. Lord, why don't you do this to them instead of to me? He says in verse 22, it is all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When a land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds, blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? In Job chapter 10, verse 13, Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? Hello, have you ever felt that? Why is the chaos coming on me? I'm trying to do right. Look at my neighbor there. They're out doing drugs. They're out getting drunk. They're out mistreating their family. They're cheating at work. And yet they seem to be wealthy and just partying up. Where are you, God? It's okay to feel like that and express that. That's what I'm trying to share with you today. And that's what Job did. He spoke to God like that. God, here's what I feel. What's going on? Where are you? Why aren't you showing up? Job comes to the place where he almost feels like he's an enemy of God. Job chapter 19, verse 4. If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. Again, if I'm the one sinning, Lord, then it's my problem. Verse 5. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. Verse 8. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. Here's a truth that you can see. Sometimes you cry out to God and you don't get an answer. Can you hear the Lord today? That's tough, isn't it? Lord, where are you? Where are you? Is God there? Absolutely, God is there, all right? But sometimes when you cry out, you don't get the answer. And that's what Job here is expressing. God has went quiet. He's went dark. And that's why we need each other today, so we can encourage each other in those times. All right, quick review here, just briefly. The big question is this, and it's a question that people still ask today, and they've asked all along. Why do the righteous suffer? Amen? You have that question today? (laughs) God, why do you allow this to happen? Why do you let bad things happen to good people? We all have that thing. Job, we see, was a righteous and blameless man, but he was not sinless. And in his despair, he would even go so far as to count himself as God's enemy. His suffering is left unexplained to him, yet somewhere inside he knows this truth, that there is a Redeemer And he knows that one day he will meet God. Job chapter 19. Here's what he writes. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. Look what he says. I know that my Redeemer, what? That he lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, what does he say? I will see God. Job knows there is more than this. Oh, if you guys haven't heard it, you ought to look it up on YouTube sometime. E.V. Hill, he's a famous gospel preacher. He preaches, one of his, he preaches his own wife's funeral, and he preaches the book of Job. And he says, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. What does Job know? E.V. Hill says this all the time. He says, this ain't it. This ain't it. 
This is, hits to the heart of our faith today. We talked about this in our Sunday school class today, didn't we, right? What separates Christianity from everything else? The resurrection, the truth that our Savior is alive. And then he proves to us that beyond death, there is so much more. This is not the end of the story. And that's what we have to encourage and console each other. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, there's joy even here. But it's not the end of the story. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. I know I will see him stand upon the earth. I know in my flesh I will see God. In my flesh. Not in my spirit. Not in some mystical ooze way. There's a new body for me where I will see my Lord. This is, you know, a couple thousand years before Jesus. And God speaking to his servant. Hear the Lord today. Again, Job's friend's theology was, well, God will always bless the righteous. He'll punish the wicked. So you appear to be being punished. So you must be wicked, right? That's how they framed it up. Sometimes we do the same thing. Job, how can you question God? Just repent. Maybe God will spare you. But Job proves them wrong. And he tells them that sometimes the wicked prosper and the righteous Suffer, And you can look in chapter 21 sometime. I'm going to go on through that today. But just to know that he lays out his case. Finally, after all this back and forth, Job kind of finally shuts up those friends because they realize, okay, Job's made a pretty good case. And then this young man named Elihu speaks. Now, what's interesting about Elihu at the end of the book, he is not rebuked by God as the other three were. Elihu will speak out against Job a little bit for their lack of wisdom. He'll rebuke their theology of health and wealth and how it seems to follow, uh, you know, that righteous living. He delivers this huge truth that God's hand comes upon the righteous to push them closer to him. Look here, if you would, in Job chapter 33. Elihu speaking. But you have said in my hearing, I heard the very words, I am pure, I have done no wrong, I am clean, I am free from sin. Yet God has found fault with me, he considers me his enemy. He fastens my feet in shackles, he keeps close watch on all my paths. But I tell you, Elihu speaking, verse 12, in this you are not right. For God is greater than any mortal. Hear the word of the Lord today. It is not about you. That's hard to hear, isn't it? It is not about you. God is greater than any mortal. God does all these things to a person twice, even three times. Look at what he says. To turn them back from the pit that the light of life may shine on them. God is building and fashioning you into something glorious for his name and for your joy. Our job is to trust him and to make our way through the valley of the shadow of death. Again, I know if you're suffering today, please take this as gently as you can. But for those of you who are in a better place today, please hear the Lord here. Suffering is an opportunity to be brought near to God. You've got a choice to make. You can curse God and die. You can fear God, shun evil, ultimately live. The Lord loves you. You are not his enemy. His desire is for you to come near to him, and he will rescue you. And this is the message of Elihu. Cast your cares on the Lord. Why? He cares for you, right? We already had that in our series here this week. God cares so much for you today that he sent his only son to come and to die, to take your place, that you could be forgiven and reconciled, and that you might really live. All right, in the book of Job, you've had all this back and forth. All these things come on Job. Job's friends come. First, they comfort him, and then they begin to try to correct him and say, look, you're a mess. That's what, if you repent, it'll all work out. They go back and forth a little bit. Job speaks out to God. Elihu comes along and says, hey, Job, listen up. (laughs) Here's where the truth is. And then finally, at the end of the book, God 
speaks. So you may have thought God was going to be quiet forever, but he's not quiet forever. God will show himself and he will speak to you if you persevere. I guarantee you that today. And God speaks here at the end of the book. Job's been crying out to God to answer all this time, and finally God will speak. His rebuke is strong, but the fact that he cares enough to answer is a reminder that God is our Father. And so sometime, you get some time, we're going to read a few verses here, but I encourage you to read Job chapter 38 through 42. And in Job chapter 38, we get this reminder of who God is and who we are. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Why don't you speak, God? Why don't you show yourself up, God? Why don't you tell me what's going on? And guess what happens? Job chapter 38, God shows up, and this is how he starts the conversation in verse 3. Brace yourself like a man. (laughs) You wanted to hear me? Okay, here it comes. I will question you, and you shall what? You answer me. Job's been questioning God all this time. God, why do you allow this? Why do you do this? How come you're doing this? Why don't you speak, God? Why don't you answer? God says, "Uh, I'm going to ask the questions, Job, and you're going to answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? (laughs) If I were to translate that into my, sit down, boy. Right? Right? Can you put subatomic particles together to make things? Can you take stuff out of nothing and make something? When I set up the whole cosmos and the order of things and the way, way, the way they work, where were you? Whoa. Job already is going to get an inclination of like, uh-oh, maybe I should have just stayed quiet. Verse 5, who marked off the earth's dimension? Surely you know, right, Job? You seem to have all these answers and asking all these questions. Who stretched a measuring line across it? This is an amazing thought, isn't it? God can pull out his tape measure and wrap it around the earth. It's not a problem for him. That's who Job speaks. On what were the earth's footings set, or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars, those early angels sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when, together, when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and I set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. I want the Atlantic to stop right about here and the Pacific over there. God says, this is what I want. Where were you, Job? Hmm. Verse 19, what is the way to the abode of light? (laughs) Where's the birth of light, Job? Do you know? Where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path to their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. You lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble for the days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Hmm. Job, can you make it snow today? (laughs) How about, can you make it hail today? We got some storms coming our way. Can anybody just stop them today? The Lord can. That's who he was dealing with, right? 
And then finally, he begins to expand his mind into the stars. He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear, again, speaking of the stars with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? If you're asking for God to answer you, that's great and good and fine. But then you better listen when he does. Can you hear the Lord? I'm not I'm telling you the Lord is speaking to you today. It is not me. Can you hear the Lord when he says, hey, you can come to me and you can ask me any question, but then when I speak, then you better listen to me for who I am. Because I have your best interest at heart and my glory and your joy. Hmm. You get some time, read Job 38 through 42. Our understanding is so limited. Our God is the all-powerful, all-knowing God. He binds the chains of the stars. He knows where light lives. He tells the seas where to stop. He marked off the foundations of the earth. This is the God that we serve today. He's not trying to figure out a solution. He's not hoping for the best. He's not struggling to come up with some answer to fix it and to make it better. He is the Almighty, and here's the best part. The Almighty God loves you. Isn't that amazing? The God that laid the foundations, that told the seas to stop, that puts the stars in their place, he loves you so much that he gave his son that you can be reconciled to him. That's why Christianity is different than any other religion. Because our God is alive and he gave of himself that we could be reconciled to him. Nothing else is like that. And so we praise our God today. All right, so Job has to respond, right? He said, God said you'll answer me, and Job does. (laughs) Look at what he says. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Well, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Do you see what happened? Job saw God. And a lot of times that's what suffering is all about. I know this God. I grew up hearing him in Sunday school and youth camps and revival meetings and different worship services and lessons and vacation Bible school. I know about him. I know who he is. I've heard about him. I know basically if I try to honor him, then you know he will bless me. I know about him. But in the middle of suffering, what happened to Job? He saw him. That's that experiential head knowledge versus this heart-awakened knowledge. Job gets opened up to God, and he says, I know who this God is. And when he encountered God, what did Job do? He felt, and he repented, right? What happened when Isaiah came into the presence of God? We talked about this just a few weeks ago, right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah walks into the presence of God and he says, Woe is me and I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I'm among a people of unclean lips. All right? When you really come into the presence of God, you don't say, Oh, look how good I am. <laughs> or look what I deserve. When you really walk into God's presence, you recognize who he is and what his purpose is, and you humble yourself before him. Now, the good news is, where did we start in the first week? 
the Lord, he will abase those proud. But if you humble yourself on the side of the Lord, he will lift you up when? In due time, right? In due time. And that's what's going to happen here to Job. He had heard of God, but now through his experiences, he has seen God. Now hear me out this morning, okay? Please hear me. I do not in any way want to make light of your grief. Hear me out today, okay? I don't know your pain. I know pain. Trust me, I've been through some pain in my life. Different than yours. Maybe not as deep. Maybe deeper than yours. But I don't know your exact pain. And I am not trying to make light of your grief. It is not a little thing. And God knows it's not a little thing today. Most of us, at some time or another, we have been touched by tragedy. And the sovereign God has allowed this to happen. That's kind of hard to handle, isn't it, right? The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. God allowed it. God allowed it to happen. And it is right to, and proper for us to hurt and for us even to question. Those are natural things. That's how God made us. But ultimately, I believe that God will use those events to cause us to fall into his loving arms. The Lord wants us to be desperate for him so that we won't just hear about him, but that we will truly see him and be forever changed. You can run to God or you can run away from God when tragedy hits. And I'm begging you today, run to the Almighty. He is not your enemy. He has come to rescue you. Right? Hear the Lord today. (laughs) What happened to the prodigal son, right? Remember that? What's the picture? It's so beautiful, isn't it? The prodigal son has wasted his life in riotous living. He's slopping the pigs and he realizes, My dad's servants have it better than what I'm doing here. I'm going to go back and be a slave for my dad. And a long way off, he's making his way down the trail to the old plantation house, that way I see it in my head, who's been watching every day for that return. His father, right? What does the scripture say about his father? What does Jesus say in the story that he tells? His father ran to him, and he hugged him, and he wept over him. God is looking for you every day. (laughs) He's looking for you to come to him. And when you do, God will run to you because he loves you. But he may take suffering to draw you to his side. John Piper says this. It's a really good quote. Suffering is not dispensed willy-nilly among the people of God. It is a portion to us as individually designed. Expert therapy by the loving hand of our great physician. And its aim is that our faith might be refined, our holiness might be enlarged, our soul might be saved, and our God might be glorified. You hearing that today? What your preacher says almost every week. For the hallowing of his name, for his glory, but also for our joy, for everything God has for us. And I would sum it up in that way. Our Father who art in heaven, Lord, let your name be hallowed. Peter would say it this way, in this you rejoice, though for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, it may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right. Let me put this all together today. And again, you're thinking about chaos, right? We've talked about rejection, We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about fear. 
And here today we have when it just all seems to fall apart. And what I'm telling you, even in the midst of that, God is in control. And he's using these things to draw you to him, to help you be everything he wants you to be. One of my favorite passages along the lines of chaos is 2 Corinthians 1.9, and that's where I want to end up today. And there Paul writes this. He says, we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Right? Who's closer to the Lord than Paul, probably, right? If you're just looking from the outside, the man wrote half the New Testament, everything he'd been through, the miraculous things that he's done, all that he's been through. And Paul says, we were so unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. I can't take it. I can't take it, God. It is okay to cry that out today, by the way. It's okay that to share with your brothers and sisters. I just can't take it. Why? We felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to do what? Look what he says. To make us rely on God, not on ourselves. God who does what? He raises the dead. Can you hear the Lord today? He's trying to remind you of things that are outside of this, that are beyond here and now. The God who raises the dead. All right, so as you begin to deal with these things, We talked about rejection. What was rejection? What was the answer to rejection? A reminder that just like we've been singing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God, right? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's in Jesus. We talked about anxiety, and we talked about that pride that sometimes leads us to anxiety, and we said, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up in due time. Last week, we talked about being afraid. You remember Jairus, right? His daughter was dead. And they came to him and they said, don't bother the master anymore. It's over. It's done. And what did Jesus say to him? Don't be afraid. Just believe. I told that to the guys at the jail last Monday night. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And then today, here's the message for you today. When chaos is surrounding you and just running you over, The truth of this message of Job is that it is to teach us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. There's a path of survival through all of this mess. And it begins and ends with humbling ourselves and putting our trust in the God who laid the foundations of the earth. He has a purpose and a plan. He raised the dead and he has a plan for you even today. Let's stand this morning. Thank you so much for your patience and your attentiveness and your time. And pray even today that the Lord would speak to your heart and would help you as you deal with these things. Some of you today, you have some friends who are going through chaos this week. It seems like everything is crumbling and crushing around them, and they need you to encourage them that you know a God who raises the dead. Okay? Some of you maybe have some really stressful things ahead of you this week or this month. And maybe this message is to you today to make yourself turn to Christ, not that you would just know about him, but that you would see him, that you would humble yourself before him. I'm going to go again, as is our practice today, and play just briefly on the piano, and I would like for you to pray today. Today, if you want, I just so want to encourage you to do this. I know it takes a lot of boldness, but if you want to pray with somebody, go touch them on the shoulder, grab them by the hand, and say, hey, would you just come pray with me? And it can just be for a minute. But I really want to encourage you to pray for each other and lift up each other today and share each other's burdens. And then today, if somebody's on your heart that you know is going through a hard time, would you take time this morning? Would you pray that God would show his 
self-strong on their behalf, that their faith would be strengthened, and again, that his name would be glorified and that we'd be filled with joy. Let's take some time to pray together today.